Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Okay, welcome back. I'm going to say welcome today. So last week, did last week, last week we had a, a talk with a really a bummer finish because, as it turns out, uh, Varenicline. Hey, first time for everything. Yeah, Varenicline. It uh, it really hasn't shown to be super helpful yet for cocaine use disorder, and more studies are needed. It was kind of anticlimactic. It was, so, but yet. So today. Uh, <laughs> today. So a couple weeks ago. We did a talk on the FDA-approved medications for alcohol use disorder, of which there are three. Yeah, but what fun's that? Let's go with the ones that are off-label. Let's go with off-label. And the best part, I think, is is not only are we going off-label this week, but in the near future, we will go off-label again when it comes to the alcohol use disorder treatments. Yeah, because there's, you know, there's anticonvulsants, then there's antipsychotics, there's all kinds of studies going. There's, you know, Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz treatments. And yeah, we'll be bringing them in. We're gonna bring. We're gonna have Doctor Oz on. Not. Um, I'm but, trying to think of like if we could do a voiceover. That'd be illegal. Yeah, <laughs> probably. If anybody knows the legality of that, please let me know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. So the anticonvulsants, the the three that have actually been looked at the most, um, are really gabapentin, topiramate, and pregabalin, which of course is pregabalin, pregabalin, pregabalin. You know, so Neurontin, Topamax, and Lyrica are the trade names, but we will use the generics. So you're supposed to do that yeah. when you're, you know, a specialist. We are rule followers here. They're just so much harder to say always. I know. So so we'll start with gabapentin. And gabapentin is like a utility player in baseball. And I'm I am not a baseball player. That's so true. But it's it's just used for everything now. I feel like, oh, your baby's crying. Let's try gabapentin. But no, don't. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, so in 1993... I think not only has it been a utility player, I mean, it's like, I, whatever. Who? Yeah. What order do they bat? Every I don't know, you, I'm just curious. You know, you go to a partner and you're like, hey, I got this person with this. Hey, have you tried gabapentin? Right, but um, I no. feel like it's interesting because there's such a, long, a wide gamut of dosing that nobody can really even agree on, and I don't think anybody does it right, and it's super yeah. abusable, and if you really take oh. it three times a day, it's a pain in the butt for patients. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a little because, you know, the studies I'd read way before when we did talk on gabapentin previously showed that gabapentin was at probably most effective at lower doses. So um, I taught anyway. somebody that the other day. Yeah, I remember. So let's get back to what I was really talking about. So anyway. it was approved actually by the FDA in 1993, uh, right when I started practicing a few years later. Mm, I and, was, you know, in elementary school still. Yes, and probably really annoying. And it was actually uh, for the treatment of partial seizures. So, so all of these other things are off label. Yeah, or are they? No, they're actually. I believe these are on label now for neuropathic oh, pain, right. for diabetes, postherpetic neuralgia, hot flashes. I have never heard that. I have never heard that either, and you spelt it wrong. Well, yes, and then restless leg syndrome. I was seeing if you'd see that, right? And, and in fact, I've had patients see neurology and they send them back on gabapentin for restless legs, and because yeah. they tried other things, and didn't work. But so they had to do something. Yeah, but it's you know it's one of those drugs that honestly it seems like most people don't have many side effects. I I have not had a lot. 
Um, but I think people... You don't you know, have a lot of side effects when you take your gabapentin? No, when I prescribe it. <laughs> so dizziness, sleepiness, that is probably the one I hear the most is sleepiness. Yeah, and you know, there are those patients who take it off label for anxiety, sometimes to give it at bedtime, helps people get to sleep. It, again, it's the utility player. Um, so how does it work, Dr. Bell? I know you love this neuro, you know, this biology stuff, neurobiology kind of stuff, but... It's really, it's effects on kind of the GABA levels. Um, Where that have are been, you? Oh, did I? No, I think uh, yours are messed up. If they are. It's okay. You just keep talking. Yeah, you just you just give it to me here. I'll just keep going. But mm -hmm. one of the things to remember is that the effects on kind of the GABA levels are very inconsistent. So how people are dosed can be vastly different how the effects of it are. I think I said it a few weeks ago, like how kind of I always thought about this. I might have said it in echo, but... You know, when you're learning all these neurotransmitters, which is super complicated, especially when we're talking about alcohol, and I just envision the picture in our whatever board review courses, you know, glutamate kind of is like, it just sounds like an upper glutamate, glutamate. It's like you're mating and it's high, whatever. So okay. it's like you're upper and then gabapentin gaba is just like, like and you're kind of like a sloth and that's like your downer. So you're saying like, gaba. Gaba. Okay. So that's kind of how I was in my head envision it. So, so glutamate would be much higher. Glutamate. Exactly. Like okay. And so gabapentin is this GABA agonist. So it kind of brings on the glutamate because it brings up the GABA. They're on like this teeter-totter. So for one to go up, the other one kind of goes down until you find this balance. Highly scientific, Dr. Bell. Um, but that's, they did the scale thing, like the Libra. I'm a Libra scale. <laughs> that's what they did in the board review course anyway. Okay. I don't remember much of that. Um, so it, it, of course, modulates kind of the enzymatic activities, which are also involved in GABA biosynthesis. So kind of involved in that whole thing um and then of course it's the real off in the weed stuff you know it, it binds to these alpha 2 delta 1 subunits of voltage gated calcium ion channels blah 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 but these that was not on our boards at all yeah but anyway that contributes kind of the pain attenuation so again we we look at it we we see patients and they come in and say oh yeah i'm taking it for my whatever pain okay um so let's get to the studies because that's what's fun okay this, this other stuff you know I mean, it's important. Yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about was actually uh, a U.S. Uh, veteran study. This was actually in 2013 by Stock at L. And what they were doing was they were kind of studying the treatment of alcohol with using it for alcohol withdrawal. And Which, we're, we're not going to talk about that a ton, but a number of these anti-convulsants they've actually used. Uh, and you hear gabapentin being used in different facilities correct. for alcohol withdrawal. Correct. Because it's probably safer than sending somebody home with a bunch of benzos. Probably. Uh, and they actually did this interesting thing where they sent people home with this seven-day gabapentin taper. And they found it worked very well, uh, caused much less sleepiness and, and uh, cravings compared to Librium, which I think has been kind of the gold standard. And typically, we don't like to send people home on Librium. Uh, Although Librium, again, I love Librium because it lasts a long time and it's like, eh, it's kind of a downer to get so, a downer too. <laughs> so I think that, you know, back then. Come it, on, that was funny. I didn't even hear you. Um, but I think that, you know, just understand <laughs> that, that what it does as far as kind of decreasing some of these, um, again, this Excitatory was an. Excitatory yeah. withdrawal. Like, again, you're withdrawing, you have that six heightened excitatory yeah. nerve system the it, elevated glutamate yeah it dampens that dampens it but i think the things that are more important to me are really how do we use these different medications for people with alcohol dependence or use disorder right 
And so the second study was actually a study that was uh, that was done by uh, Mason et al. And it's actually I, I went I had a number of review, review articles, and this one was mentioned in a bunch. Um, that's a technical, that? a, uh, that's a technical term bunch. bunch. Um, and so they did a 12 week study, uh, kind of evaluating the treatment of alcohol dependence with 1800 milligrams of gabapentin daily. So they're going 600 TID and they go right to that dose. Yeah. I, it doesn't say in there, the, the stuff I read didn't tell me, I would assume that they ramp up quickly. Although you did say the last one, they kind of just started at a dose and then tapered down. So, I mean, Correct. I, I mean, who knows? You, you probably can. But in any case... We're not instructing anybody on this. No. Um, and this was actually in a primary care clinic. It was double-blind, placebo-controlled, 150 men and women. So what they found is that it was effective in treating alcohol dependence, effective in treating relapse-related symptoms such as insomnia, dysphoria, and craving. Yeah. And so that was really interesting. I mean, if you think about it, that was... You know, that was a while back, and I and I think that right away we're looking, and it's like, wow, this, this could be something that we could use more long-term. Um, and so there have been numerous studies uh, also done on that. Uh, the next one that we are going to talk Merrick about. Merrick et al.? Is, yeah, Merrick et al., 2007. And they kind of looked at the role of gabapentin to reduce craving and consumption. And consumption. That's interesting because that's kind of like what naltrexone does, decreases mm. the consumption. But. Yeah. And Another I, fancy double-blind placebo-controlled Wikipedia study. <laughs> yeah, in uh, and this was thirty only thirty-five non-treatment-seeking alcohol use disorder patients, right? So these, so these are people who didn't even want to stop. They didn't want to go to treatment, and they actually went to a little lower dose, twelve hundred milligrams. And keep that in mind because um, that's kind of the question: is what's the level that seems to have the best outcome? Sure. And uh, they did that versus, you know, again, they didn't have a ton of people, 35, but it was versus zero milligrams. So just a sugar pill. Yep. (laughs) And this was an unusual study in all of the gabapentin studies because they didn't show any effect of gabapentin. Now, my hypothesis on that would be is that because these patients had, they weren't treatment seeking. So they were also lacking that. Support. Feeling like they needed to quit or they wanted to quit or the desire or support or da 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 da. Yeah. So I think that that was, uh, that is one of the only studies, uh, recent studies that's kind of had that uh, angle. Hmm. So one of the next ones that came was actually 2019. And this was actually, we looked at all of these studies, right? They did this meta analysis. You know what that means? Yes. When you, we <laughs> talked about this in the last alcohol one. Yes, I know what a meta analysis is. Just, I was just making sure you were still on board. Jeez. And so they did, um, they, it was seven uh, randomly controlled trials, right? So they looked at um, gabapentin efficacy in treatment and alcohol use disorder. So, I love when studies end like this. Yeah. It may be, gabapentin may be more effective than placebo in treating alcohol use disorder. Yeah. Uh, but the only measure that was clearly better than placebo was the decrease in heavy drinking days, which... Yeah. Is still beneficial. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. If you look at like naltrexone, that's you know kind of the same. It's very similar. If you give naltrexone to somebody who's actively drinking, they will typically drink less, and they typically sometimes have less heavy drinking days. So, um, I think the thing to remember is that really when they in that meta analysis, I mean, really gabapentin does seem to work for some people, and it's statistically significant, and it appears to. Um, decrease that heavy drinking days. 
Uh, but it is off-label. Right. And so when you're using it, you have to say... You have you, to notify the patient. Yeah, you have to. And I would suggest that you also document that. Um, yes, <laughs> I would. Um, and some of the different things they talked about, it that, again, the most effective dose in some of the studies they looked at would probably be still right around 1,800 milligrams. Uh, this was probably most strong in the Mason study, 2,000-something. But you still think we should probably like fail the other FDA approved drugs. And I hate the word failed of them, but just they weren't found to be effective. Yeah. I mean, there are some uh, things that I read that said that gabapentin could be a a first line drug, Mm. uh, depending on the patient. I mean, again, sometimes you have patients that this drug may treat two of their problems. Maybe they got diabetic neuropathy. Maybe they have uh, anxiety. There you go. Uh, Could have other things that are off label that you could use. Hot flashes. (laughs) so you can start anytime there you go so if you need it just call um but uh you know again probably another indication again maybe an attempt to help people curb heavy drinking okay heavy drinking days so now we're going to move on to the one you probably use a bit more than yeah. Some of the others, and I have I use this more in in alcohol than I do for pretty much anything else. But yeah. topiramate. topiramate, Topamax. So topiramate is is actually a derivative of naturally occurring monosaccharides, right? So it's uh, some kind of funky side thing of a sugar, maybe <laughs> discovered <laughs> side thingy of a sugar, maybe. Yeah, you know, y'all, that is right that from is Wikipedia. That is classic no that's a um, so it's a natural it's a natural occurring derivative of a natural monosaccharide monosaccharide okay we got to move on from that because it just sounds we've been yeah. this is going to get too long discovered in 1979 mcneil pharmaceuticals why are we talking about who discovered it uh it's just when it was and i there was just go. graduating from some place anyway no. <laughs> um fda approved in 1996 as an anti-leptic and then actually a few years later in 2004 for uh, prevention of migraine and, again, and then in 2012, FDA approval for Qsima, yeah, to, which was topiramate with fentermine for chronic weight management. Yeah, so a couple different FDA uh, things. So, but not for alcohol. But we're going to talk about. Yeah. It. So remember that generally, topiramate is structurally different from the other uh, anti-epileptic. That's the argument. Anti-convulsants. Anti-convulsants. Whoa, that was almost got me. Um, and how does it work? Very simply, it kind of blocks sodium channels. And, <laughs> simply. Yeah, it, I was doing some research. Uh, and inhibits uh, some of these action potentials. So it, basically, it's decreasing the seizure activity. So it might bind these non-benzocytes on the GABA-A receptors. You know, like a GABA receptor has like lots of different binding places. Yeah, I'm not, and not real up on that. So, I mean, there's lots of different drugs that can bind to GABA, whether it's directly or on one of these little side pieces. And so it may bind to the non-benzocyte on these GABA-A receptors. And it reduces the neuronal excit- excitability, which again, we're binding to this GABA to lower, raise GABA and lower the... Exciting glutamate. <laughs> glutamate. Now, every time anyone when you're taking says your glutamate, boards. they're going to be like, glutamate. <laughs> you're taking your boards and be like, glutamate. Oh, yeah. Excitatory. Um, so GABA. To- <laughs> GABA. GABA. Um, so topiramate, there's a few really pretty good clinical Ooh, studies. Um, I like this dude. Googliamo. How do you like that? Googliamo. Or is that a mo? I think that's mo. Uh, at Al. He, in 2015, they actually did a, a comparison of topiramate versus placebo. And uh, they showed very clearly a kind of a decreased drinks per day, decreased drinking days, percent of heavy drinking days went down, uh, and in- increased days of abstinence. That would make from sense. From alcohol. <laughs> okay. 
So and, continued. Yeah, and so it was superior to placebo. Yeah. Uh, so so really, kind of wrapping it up, uh, it kind of decreased those alcohol cravings, uh, and and especially people with kind of this obsessive compulsive drinking habits. Uh, seem to make a really big difference in that hmm. group. That's interesting. Yeah. One of the funny side things on that uh, study was it showed that these patients actually had much improved physical health measures, like the, their GGT went down. And of course, we don't really check that so much anymore. Because uh, now that you've learned that, it's, you didn't believe me. It's not on the comp panel anymore. Well, it's in this study. Never in my um, career. But it also decreased cholesterol, blood pressure, uh, and BMI, if you're trying I mean, to lose weight, think about it. Topiramate. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this was at dosage ranges right around 75 to 300 Just milligrams per day. Way higher than I've used. But now, the only reason I put this last study in is because I couldn't say this guy's name and I wanted you to say it. Well, if you had good penmanship, Papargopoulos. 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 Gopolis. Gopolis. Paparagopolis. Hey, that was oh, good. Oh, Paparagopolis. Ed Al. This was actually from 2011. Uh, and this was pretty cool because it was a clinical try on low-dose topiramate um, with people with alcohol dependence. It was open-labeled, controlled study, and they were using just 75 milligrams per day, but they were also doing psychotherapy. Interesting. Um, and, and I don't have the results on yeah. that. And the results were really relatively good. I, this... It actually decreased again. They they looked at this um, as far as decreasing drinking days, uh, kind of similar to what other people had found. Mm. So it's uh, you know I think all of the studies have been pretty positive towards towards topiramate, uh, and I think that that's just what we you know what we're you know looking at. I I find it, it, it helpful. Uh, I use it for other things as well, but I think again it's off label. You got to make sure that you have those discussions. Uh, but most of the studies are reasonably favorable. Exactly. Okay. So last but not least, but not least, pregabalin or Lyrica. Lyrica. So obviously, it is marketed under the brand name Lyrica, like we just said, for the treatment of epilepsy, neuropathic pain, fibromyalgia, generalized anxiety disorders, blah blah blah, but also restless leg, migraine prevention, social anxiety, alcohol withdrawal. I think overall, the side effects of this are a little bit worse than what we see with gabapentin. You know, you get that yeah. sleepiness and stuff. I, I have certainly had more people that have been on it over the years that I've seen that have had more issues with it. The and, dry mouth, vision, mm-hmm. wake, wake yeah. gain. So if you're going to have an issue there, go to topiramate first. Plus, I think, plus there's but. always that risk. Uh, there's that's concerns about addiction and suicide. And drug misuse. In and higher doses. So, I, you know, to me, this is, uh, this is a little more on the edge. But, um, I mean, it works very similarly in a way. It's a GABAergic anticonvulsant and a depressant of the CNS. So, again, it... Binds the GABA receptor and, you know, mm. brings up the, the inhibitory, you know, it depresses the CNS from its, you know, yeah. over-excitatory state. Now, there are not as many great studies with this one. And no. In fact, in the in this review article that I looked at, it's like it's, you know, there's just not as much. I mean, they had one rat study. Uh, I dig it. By Stepani. Marshigian, Sardinian mice, rats. I didn't even know Marshigian that Sardinian. <laughs> Rats. From, from Dr. Stepani. Um, oh, but my they, God. I love it. Yeah. I bet he's from Italy. I don't know. But the results showed that uh, treatment with pregabulin at different doses uh, selectively reduced cage alcohol drinking in, mat, in rats. So if you have a rat in a cage, they're going to drink less alcohol. Um, 
and and so I, I think that was kind of one of the first studies that was kind of looked at. This was in 2012. Right. Um, but they, you know, there was another study that came later. Also, it looks like it's Italian. Martinetti. I love that. Martinotti. Martinotti. Um, at L. And they looked at uh, pre- pregabulin and naltrexone. Uh, and they actually had 71 patients. Uh, and, and looked at the kind of the... the uh, the alcohol drinking indices, right? But Cravings. they compared it to naltrexone. Yes. Which is an FDA approved drug Correct. for alcohol use disorder. And so what I found in- interesting in this one, because I was really surprised when I read this, is that they found that the pregabalin had effects similar to naltrexone on improving alcohol drinking indices, including relapse rates, craving scores. Yeah. And it was more favorable in reducing the symptoms of anxiety, hostility, and psychoticism. Yeah, and I think... So it was better in patients with a comorbid psychiatric diagnosis, which would make sense considering it is FDA-approved for generalized anxiety disorders. Yeah. So I think both gabapentin and pregabulin, I, I think there's a nice job. Uh, I think there's some evidence that, that they're helpful. I would say that I more often in my life go towards gabapentin and topiramate. Right. Um, and I have not really delved into the Lyrica thing for... Some other reasons. Yeah, I was but. really surprised when this one got brought up. Yep. I mean, I'm not surprised in terms of the the comorbid psychiatric, com, you know, you know, treatment here, but I was a little surprised seeing that it had as good of outcomes, except for this one study. Yeah, and the review articles that I reviewed, I mean, there's really the bottom line is there's got to be more studies that are bigger uh, that compare compare these things to more standard things like that are FDA approved uh, to kind of show that they have added benefit or improved benefit. Right. So I think that uh, that will come. Right. And that's all I've that's got to say it. about that. So anyway, take with it what you will. But I think the biggest, I don't say the biggest take home is that there's, here's three no, three more options for the yep. treatment of alcohol use disorder. Again, these are all off label. So it is important to have those discussions. Although, you know, if it's going to treat something else as well, but I, it's important to talk to the patient about that and document that you had that discussion. Mm. Yes, it is. So we thank you so much for listening, and I have no clue what's going to be next week. No, but at some point we'll get to your treatment of alcohol use disorder with your antipsychotics. Could be a while. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Here's Casey. Of color and my knees gave way.
Just so 